to another episode of Who Says No. I am one of your hosts, Sam Quinn. It is my second podcast of the day. Normally, we don't do that, but there's big enough news that we have decided to, I don't want to say break the rule, but break the tradition, break the whatever it is that we needed to break. We want to talk about Drew Holiday's contract extension with the Bucks, and I can think of no better person to do that with than Hoops Hype's cap, cap expert, Yossi Goslin. Yossi, how you doing? I'm doing well, Sam. Thanks for having me on again. You are the first repeat guest this podcast has ever had. Really? I want to say that's an honor. I'm not sure. It's congratulations on the, I'm going to go with honor. You know what? Like this is a fairly new podcast, but congratulations on beating out the field. Wow. Uh, I, I thought this podcast has been going on for like maybe a couple of years now. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Like maybe I seem experienced. I assure you I'm learning. No, this yeah, no, no. You, you like, you're so good at hosting podcasts. I'm, I was like, I couldn't believe you're, you're telling me this is like new. You keep up this flattery and you're going to be back for a third time. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so the Bucks extended Drew Holiday. We don't know the exact numbers because we don't know what the incentives are yet. The base is four years, $136 million. What we're hearing is that it's going to go up to the max at, what is it, 160 Something like that? Uh, well, so that's not his, the, the max within four years. Like if in four years, if he were to sign a max, it would max dollars for four years, it would be closer to like 175, 176. So he's, he's already getting, he's getting a lot more than, uh, so he's getting his max extension. His max extension base is 135 over four, but because he's making way less than whatever his maximum salary would be then the, you could put in incentives to get him closer to that. But it wouldn't put him uh, – he doesn't have enough incentives to put him uh, at a potentially getting a max-max salary. Uh, I don't think – I know there's like limits. I believe it's like 15% to how much you could put in yeah. incentives. So I'm that's – you know maybe that's why he's not uh, going to be able to get like a full max salary. But he's going to get close to it. I'm You know, sounds like – what is that like 25 million in total incentive so if you divide that by four that's like eight Six or seven million i think oh, I, I don't okay. know i, I want to say not eight. i think i did the math earlier i think it's like eight eight point something so you know if you were to hit all those then yeah you're basically almost at a max if he's getting like from 30 mil to 38 mil this year yeah, is, is, is max for next – I'm talking about next year. I'm sorry. Next year, if he gets all of his incentives, he's basically making just under a max salary. So that's really good. That's – you know, he's he got his max extension, and he's got the potential to get very close to his max salary. So we should clarify these incentives are unlikely, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I think I read from Eric Neem that $4 million of them are, like, are going to be deemed likely, but we just have no – uh, right. We don't know yeah. what they are yet. And to clarify to the non-cap nerds listening, which I assume is everybody listening, um, unlikely incentives and likely incentives work slightly differently. The only difference is a, an, ex, an incentive is deemed likely if it happened in the previous season. So, like, if a player played 50 games the year before and the incentive is plays 40 games, then it's considered likely. If it's play 60 games, it's considered unlikely. So there are some ways to kind of mess with that and, you know, kind of engage in a little bit of chicanery to basically create guaranteed money without actually calling it guaranteed money. The Nets did this with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to create some extra cap space for DeAndre Jordan. 
because unlikely incentives don't count against the cap until they actually happen. So there is some financial maneuvering here, but essentially what you're looking at is Drew is, we're starting at 136. We would expect him to get into the 150 to 160 range when it's all said and done, unless he really doesn't hit, you know, whatever these incentives are. But given the leverage that he had, like if he would have hit the open market, he would have gotten a max, right? Just given the space out there and how many teams would need him. Ooh, I, I've thought about that. I don't know if he would have gotten a full max. I don't think there's, I don't even know if there's any team that could have, like, so based on the projections of the first year's max, the first year on a max salary for Holly would have been 39 million. I don't even think there's any team that could actually get to that much. I so, have one team in mind. I think it would be Dallas, and I think Dwight Powell would be traded to accommodate it, if that okay. would have happened. Yes, if they if they do that, yeah, they could they would definitely have more than enough. But I don't. But if no other team can even come close to that, then I would say that holiday what holiday got is basically what his market would be. Maybe a little more, maybe like a, you know two three million more. But you also got to keep in mind that he's thirty thirty one. This is going to go through his mid. This contract's going to go through his mid thirty. So you know you're. A lot of what the Bucks are paying for now is for what he's done for New Orleans and just the fact that they gave up so much. You know, they're, they they were they they, they were they had to pay him this. I think everyone knew this was coming since the moment they traded for him. Uh, but I, you know, if you're wondering if if you're asking if if Holiday is Holiday missing out on more money, I I don't think so. I think he maybe a little bit. But with those incentives, especially four of them are already likely, I think he's getting maybe exactly the most he would have gotten from another team. Right, and situationally, like he's playing with Giannis, it might not be a glamour market, but I don't, I mean, I guess playing with Luka would be as desirable, maybe Miami, but Miami isn't going to be able to get up to that kind of money. I think this was the right decision for him, given his injury history, given the general volatility of the playoffs. Like, I don't think Drew Holiday is Eric Bledsoe, and we'll talk about Eric Bledsoe a little more down the line. But we saw what happened when Eric Bledsoe signed his $72 million extension. He gets to the playoffs, and like if he'd hit free agency after that, he might have gotten like half of that. So yeah. I get the idea of locking in your money now, especially given his injury history. For him, it was the right decision. But we want to talk about the Bucks, and it's clearly the right decision if you just look at it in a vacuum. Because the alternative is losing him for nothing. And they wouldn't have had any cap space to replace it. It's that simple. They're going to be at the cap, or rather, they were at the cap before re-signing Holiday. I think they had like 115 million or so on the books. Now they're deep into the tax. This well, is their team. They have no financial means of adding another big player. So let's start from there. What are you thinking about Milwaukee's immediate future? Well, can I ask you something? Shoot. Let's say. Holiday did hit the market, and another team offered him a, the full max. Basically, would have started him at 39 mil. If you're the Bucks, would you have matched that full max for him? Okay, there's a caveat here. I would, I would, yes. Okay. But is the alternative? Are you sign and trading him to this team, and at least getting a trade exception if you're letting him walk? Well, if there's a team with enough room to give him that, there's a good chance that there's no need for a sign and trade. Yeah, maybe you get you right, well, get a trade exception, but 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 what I'm what I'm trying to get to at is part of getting Holiday. A big part of it was giving Giannis a reason to extend, and he did. 
So knowing that that's done, you've locked down Giannis, and right now you've got Holiday for well below, you know, a good amount below his max. To the, you know, they're no, no matter what, they're kind of they're a little, they're going to be uh, hamstrung, and we'll get into that. We're about to get into that, but to give him the full max, like. Would you be okay with potentially just letting him go? Hey, thank you very much for the year. Yeah, we gave up two picks, but you know what? We got Giannis. Do you think there? Do you think that's at all, uh, like that's that's at all justifiable? So my thought is they had to have made promises to Giannis when they re-signed him, mm-hmm. and I don't know how that would look if you trade all that for Drew. He re-signs for five years, and then oh, surprise, we're letting him walk. Like yeah, that's a recipe for him to yeah. ask for a trade. And, like, they wouldn't have to grant it because he has five years left on his contract. But, like, that's a really uncomfortable situation. And the other part of it is they're out of draft picks. Like, they have nothing left to really trade except for DiVincenzo. Right. So if they do lose Drew, like, that's it. Their chips are all yeah. spent. Their team is Giannis, Middleton, Brook, and DiVincenzo. So yeah. you basically have to get the trade exception just to have the option to replenish somewhere else. But I'm, I'm thinking about the kinds of teams that would be signing Drew – Let's say it was Dallas, or let's say Miami found a way, or like just looking at the kinds of teams that are willing to give a 30-year-old a max, those kind of teams want to beat Milwaukee. They don't want to help Milwaukee. Yeah. So they'd rather just say, you know what, we're not going to take your second-round pick. We're going to sign him outright, and you're going to have no way to replace him, and you're not going to be competition anymore. So right. I just think like the alternative, given how much they spent for him, how little assets they have overall, and just the makeup of their team before the holiday trade, frankly – they, they had to do this, I think. Now, it's yeah. uncomfortable, right? Like, right. Drew is 30. He's now under contract through his age 34 season. A lot of injuries. I, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's a very big risk. And they're in this position now where, look at the first mistake. I think this was the right time to go back to Bledsoe. Look at the first mistake that they made, mm-hmm. which was giving Bledsoe the four-year $72 million extension. Every move they have made since then has been about digging themselves out of that mistake. They let Malcolm Brogdon go because they had to pay Eric Bledsoe. They traded for Drew Holiday because they let Malcolm Brogdon go. They extended Drew Holiday because they traded everything for Drew Holiday and therefore have no no alternative whatsoever. They used everything they had to dig themselves out of the first mistake. If this is the second mistake, they have nothing left to dig themselves out with. Right, it, they've definitely compounded upon mistakes ever, and it all started with the Bledsoe one. Uh, and of, now, of course, if I was the Bucks, I would, you know, if Holiday made it to free agency, I would max him out. The optics on letting him go after giving him what they did would have been abysmal. Maybe Giannis would be so unhappy that he'd ask for a trade in a couple of years. And and of course, they can't replace Holiday. There's they're so uh, deep into the cap, they wouldn't be able to replace Holiday now. Uh, as, as far as what they can do next, so that's already going to be a tax team from here on out. They're gonna they're gonna avoid the tax this year. This will be just you know one last year not paying. The, uh, not that they've been paying the tax, but this will be their last year before they have to start paying it. Well, and they were delaying the repeater clock too. Which exactly. Is really so by twenty three twenty four, I believe, then they'll probably hit the repeater, and who knows what the books will look like by then. But. Um, so yeah, going forward, this buck, this Bucks roster, pending that they'd re-sign PJ Tucker, and then you know uh, MLE signing now and then. This is basically the core. This is going to be the team 
for the next few years. Maybe they'll uh, as maybe they could trade one of their not not someone outside their top three if they need to make a change. But going forward, there's not too much more the Bucks could do. They're out of draft picks. They're out of flexibility. I think the glaring inflection point, if one is going to come, is either going to be the 22 offseason or the 23 deadline, because that's when Brooke Lopez and his $14 million salary become expiring. And then by that point, I mean, I know we DM about this all the time. You're way more hesitant to give up future draft picks than I am. But by that point, Milwaukee can trade its 2029 first round pick. So at that point, you could probably cobble together 20-something million in matching salary plus a first and go get another pretty decent piece. But you're right. Like, the Middleton-Giannis-Drew core, that's it. DiVincenzo is their only, at this point anyway, like, major young guy. They have this Houston second-rounder that's going to be a pretty valuable pick. But that pick is also not governed by the rookie scale. So, like, for all we know, maybe they only get that guy for a two-year deal. We'll have to see what who they end up picking and what kind of contract they can sign him to. Like, this is a pretty precarious situation, so I'll just throw this out there to you. Take it in whatever direction you want. Let's say we get to the summer of 2022 or the summer of 2023, and the Bucks haven't won a championship yet. At that point, what is your pivot? What's your reboot? Like, What is your second Drew Holiday move, even though you don't have the chips to do that? Well, first, you know, you got to see how Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday are doing. Uh, see if they're still bringing enough production that they're worth their salaries and that they're going to continue to be as valuable as they are going forward uh, i'll assume that they still i'm assuming yet Giannis, obviously yes middleton i think so holiday might be a little iffy but i if still he's healthy confident. i feel pretty good. yeah no i'm still confident that he's still going to age pretty well uh you know the, i don't think there, there should be some drop off but i don't think it's going to be anything at all where people are, where Bucks fans are screaming for the Bucks to trade him for someone else. I don't think it'll get to that. So, what? Yeah. So if you're gonna, so first you evaluate that, and assuming yeah, you're gonna continue. Now you got to figure out who else is gonna be the supporting cast because outside of them, good chance that most, if not all, of the guys on the roster are not even gonna be here. It's gonna be completely new guys, role players. That such high turnaround in the NBA nowadays. So how can you so I think what I would do from the Bucks is kind of look at what the Clippers are doing after uh, using all their cap space to sign Kawhi and trading all their picks to sign George. What have they done to try to build their team going forward? They've been handing out money to whoever they can. They're giving decent salaries to just, you know, all these all these uh, guys are like. Uh, decent starters to borderline pretty good role players. They're pay- they're paying. They gave Luke Kennard a big extension. They just traded for Rondo, who's you know got another year, uh, who's got an additional year instead of Lou Williams. They gave Zubots seven mil. They're just com- adding more and more tradable salaries. They gave Marcus Morris uh, like 15, 16 mil annually. And I think the Bucks are going to want to try to do something similar. Now, is it going to be expensive? Very. There, it's going to be very expensive, so that's going to be an ownership type of decision. But I think you know they already got Tucker; they can resign him, give him a nice salary. They can uh, extend Dante Divincenzo, give him something, uh, maybe ten million plus. Um, you know they're going to have their MLE signing. They, I, they, I think they need to now just. 
keep compounding more salaries. So then when the time comes to make another trade, and it's, I'm not saying they're going to get another like star or anything. I doubt they would. They don't, you know, but let's say you got a, you want to, it's time to trade Lopez. Maybe he's fallen off. You could combine him with some of these other salaries and try to get someone that, you know, you can match salaries with for another great start or another really good role player. So DiVincenzo, he's only 24. Like, obviously, he's super cheap now. You want to get him on that more expensive deal, and I would assume they're going to re-sign him this offseason. But he's probably going to be a value piece on that next contract. So say you re-sign him and he's making, I don't know, $12, 13000000 million a year with the Lopez $14 million, Now you're looking at, like, you have this, the tradable salary to go get basically anybody. It's just that beyond that, I mean, Tucker, they'll have bird rights. They can re-sign. Yep. After that, like... Bobby Portis is only going to have non-birds. He, he's gone, like just based on the way he's played this year. Somebody is going to give him more than the 20% race that Milwaukee can. Brent Forbes is I, I maybe, like, I, I think he deserves more than the minimum. He deserve, Or he's pretty close to the minimum. I think he's I, a little above. I, my feel is that he and Portis have played well enough to opt out. Yeah, I would assume that both of them are going to get more than Milwaukee can give them. So you basically have a couple of slots. You've got Connaughton in that 4 or 5 million range. Tucker, whatever you re-sign him for. Lopez at 13 now, 14 down the line. And then DiVincenzo, whatever you re-sign him for. So you're going to be able to accumulate that match, matching salary if that's what ownership is willing to do, which so far they've been hesitant to spend the money. But, I mean, based on these contracts that they've given out, that's changing. They're going to be a tax team. So at that point, you might as well YOLO it and just accumulate as much yeah. salary as possible. So yeah. looking at – if that's your outcome, let's say – in two years, you have Drew, Giannis, Middleton, plus big-ish fourth guy X, who's clearly worse than those three, but, like, is a good above-average starter. Somebody like, oh, I don't know, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling about that? Like, if you were to assign a percentage chance of the Bucks winning a championship during this Giannis contract, where would you have it? And I'll throw this out there, too. Where would you have those odds if they pulled off Bogdanovich this offseason? I was pretty convinced that at some point they would have won a championship. Definitely not this season, but that is such a strong core. That starting five and then, you know, now what I the only thing is that the Bucks, they were so limited by the hard cap. Had they by trading for by um by sign and trading for Bogdanovich, had they done that and then also getting holiday that basically the rest of the roster this year would have been just minimum contracts. They probably wouldn't be able to get Bryn Forbes or Bobby Portis, probably wouldn't even be able to re-sign Pat Connaughton. You'd have to take, everyone would have to take minimums, basically. So it would have been like a punt year, if that makes sense. You know, they still make the playoffs. I'm I'm sure they could have gotten a lot more out of their minimum guys. But then next year is when they're not limited by the apron, and you got this really strong five uh, this really strong closing five, and then you can sign someone off the MLE, um, try to make some trades, resign some players with bird rights. Uh, so they, so uh, I, I felt that that five would have been strong enough to win a title, maybe next year or the year after. So I, I, I think if Brooklyn hadn't come together the way that it had, I would have just said like. Yeah, Giannis is going to get one. Like, that's just going to happen. Oh, yeah. I was saying this before the Nets yeah. got hardened, so I, I, I didn't take that into consideration. So now, like, I mean, we've talked – I've talked about this with a lot of guests on the show. 
I have Milwaukee this season as like a somewhere between 10 and 20% chance of beating the Nets. It's not nothing, but it's, it's still pretty low. Like I would still, if you asked me to make a pick on that series, I would say Nets in six and not like a super difficult six. So I would say it's likeliest that Brooklyn is controlling the East for the next two years. And then at that point, well, what's the East going to look like? I mean, Miami's probably going to be, well, I don't know what Miami's going to be actually, because Butler will be older, but Hero will be closer to his prime. Bam will be closer to his prime. Robinson, like the Heat, you could talk me into anything. Boston will have Tatum and Brown basically at their apex. Um, Just like go down the list. It it gets kind of precarious, especially if like all it takes is if the Knicks get one guy, then maybe they get two. And then you look out West. And even if you make the finals, here's Luca, here's Zion, here's whatever juggernaut Oklahoma City has built in a few years. It's really hard to project more than a year or two down the line. And I think that's what has me so queasy about this because in the next year or two, like Brooklyn isn't going anywhere. They're going to have to beat Brooklyn to win a title, and that says nothing about maybe the Lakers in the West, but they have now basically gone all in for a team that isn't the favorite, and that's a very scary proposition. Yeah, I, I'm looking, I'm trying to find some teams, trying to project who can possibly be better than the Nets or Bucks, and it's pretty, I can't really see someone, you know, maybe Philly surprises us. They can if make Philly it. gets Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons, maybe them. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, they could make a move that puts them over the top. Uh, Miami, I mean, it, they just need if you know if if Hero can make a big leap. Like they've got, they're they're very deep. So it would have surprised me if Miami uh, could get there sometime soon. But over, let you know, this two three year window that Brooklyn has realistically, j- just to be safe, I I hard to it's hard to see. You know, and then maybe Boston. You know, maybe they could also make one more move. But to be safe, I think the Nets and Bucks right now are the two teams, in my opinion. That one of them, for I think one of them should make it out the East for the next two, three years. And you say the Bucks maybe have like a 15, 20 percent chance. I'd give them a little higher. Definitely not. You know, this year I I would say maybe like 25, 30 percent chance. Not that much more. But then uh, going forward. Now that they're going to have a little more spending power because, you know, by trading for Holiday, doing this makeover, they 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 got him and they try to get Bogdan. But then everything else, they were pretty limited in the role players that they got. They used their biannual. They used whatever what they could. And uh, thankfully, like Buttonholzer always does, he gets way more production out of the players compared to whatever they're making. And now they're going to have a, a little more uh flexibility next season they're no longer going to be hard cap maybe i mean they're not, yeah they're not gonna be hard cap they could make some trades so i'm i'm i'm, I'm even more optimistic because they have something to build upon it just depends how much ownership is willing to spend i'll throw this hypothetical out there for you i'm going to give you three different options for bucks teams tell me which one you'd like the most right. the first is just keeping the 2019 team together you re-sign brogdon in addition to everybody else Boom, you're done. That's your team. You get bogged on this offseason, and then you have your all-minimum bench after that. Or you have this team that they have now with Tucker, with, you know, re-signing Connaughton, et cetera, et cetera. Which team do you think would have the best chance to win the championship this season? Hold on. I'm a little confused. So the first one is just Brogdon and then, like, the same 2019 right. core? Okay, then right. the second like, re-sign one. Re-sign George Hill, re-sign Bledsoe, et cetera, Brooks, et cetera, et cetera. The second one, 
is the five-man lineup with Bogdan, Brooke, Giannis, Drew, mm-hmm. and Middleton. And then the third one is the group that they actually have right now. I like the Bogdan one. I for think this he season? raises for any for this season and the next. Well, okay, well, no, for this season, I uh, I would probably say what they have now, just because they probably wouldn't have been able they wouldn't have been able to trade for PJ Tucker, most likely, and they probably wouldn't have been able to get Forbes, uh, Bobby Portis. You know, again, they're not they're not the ones raising their ce- uh, the buck ceiling, but they really needed the depth this season. Had they gotten Bogdan. Uh, they would have, they would not have any semblance of depth. I'd be very impressed if Budenholzer was able to replicate something similar with a minimum bench than what he has now. And this bench is, you could almost say it's a minimum bench. Like it's bad. Less than four mil. Conte making four mil. Uh, it's they it, it really is a they really went on the margins filling this roster up, and it's working. Uh, so this year, yeah, I would say this core the most, uh, out of the other two, uh, like I said, going, but I would still want Bogdanovich just for the, cause he really raises their ceiling. Even if, if having him, even the trade-off of having him in less depth this season, I would still want him for, cause he's, he can, he raises their championship odds. I, I ultimately agree. Now here's the, the reason I'm more confident in their bench is that if they had Bogdanovich and they had just, you know, kind of rampaged through the early portion of the season, maybe Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge or one of these other buyout guys says, you know, I could go to Milwaukee and they have no bench whatsoever, and I could really play 25, 30 minutes without all this competition that I'm facing in Brooklyn. So I think they could have added a pretty decent piece after that, but ultimately just that core five, I have been a major Brook Lopez closing skeptic, but Bogdanovich is everything they need offensively. And, like, you have Giannis. Like, you can figure it out on defense. You have Drew Holiday as well. Like, I think they would that would have been, like, the number one offense or, like, right up there with Brooklyn. And then, like, I don't know, a low-end top 10 defense, something like that. I right. don't think you're doing better than that, especially with the switchability that you have, right? Like, that 2019 team, they were just so set in their ways. I don't think that they were as adaptable as this current team is. But I'm looking back now, and I'm also wondering, like, the P.J. Tucker trade was high risk, right? Like, you're not actually giving up two first-round picks, but you're giving up a fair bit of draft capital just by virtue of the way that that trade was designed for a guy who's 36. And I think he's been better than others have said so far this season. Like, I don't think that he's lost as much defensively as maybe some think, but he's still not the guy that was, like, shutting down the Warriors. And you look up and down this roster, and I feel like, the DJ Augustine mid-level wasn't it was a mistake. Like I think we can acknowledge that. It's so hard to build a championship roster under a hard cap when you've given up all of your assets when you get any of these moves wrong. So I'm just going to throw this out there too. Let's say it's I believe it was a Tuesday. I can't remember which night it was. The night that the Bogdan deal comes in, and then oh no, it's getting it's stopped, and you have two days before free agency. You're not getting Bogdanovich. What would your plan of attack have been if you were running the Bucks? I mean, this late, I don't know, because they had this plan, and for whatever reason, it, it didn't work out. And there's, I don't know what else you could have done. I, I'd have to really look back and see, because this sign-and-trade for Bogdan, I mean, who else were you going to get that's 
equal talent. I, I think they just have to adjust as they did. And, you know, I, I don't, that's, that's tough. Like they had this plan set. I thought it was a great plan. We talked, so we've talked about the possibility that they should have traded for Chris Paul seeing how things worked out. You can make that argument. The, the Bucks basically decide, okay, well, Chris Paul makes 40 mil. We can either uh, trade for him and use our, uh, but uh, um, yeah, we could either trade for him or we could trade for Drew makes uh, 26 this year and sign and trade for Bogdan and fit them both under the hard cap. I, I think I, I, they both they decided they wanted the the uh, Drew and Bogdan combo. Uh, but I mean, as far as like audibling after after the uh, Bogdan sign and trade. Trade, uh, sign and trade failed it's tough because they're already committed to getting drew they were not gonna back down on that but you know free agency goes so fast and all they had left was the mid-level that was their biggest thing so unless they had some other trade plan I, I guess you could try to see who else you could package those players that they traded for bogdan see what else you can get but Bogdan was there's no one for what they were for the type of player Bogdan is I don't think there was anyone like him for the, his type of style and uh you know I think for right. they did okay for having to change plans at the last so second. I went through this exercise with the Lakers to an extent where what would they have done with the mid-level if they hadn't signed Harrell and if you look at like who the mid-level guys were last year there were a couple of big names like I think Serge Ibaka could have really helped the Bucks. But Serge Ibaka wasn't going to go to the Bucks, You know, like, there are a few guys like that. But, like, once you get past Jay Crowder, maybe Justin Holiday, maybe Justin Holiday would have taken a discount to play with Drew. But he was already playing with Aaron. So, like, I guess those cancel each other out. So there really weren't a lot of, like, valuable guys to use the mid-level. The DJ Augustine contract was bad. But I look at it and I'm like, I understand where they came from because there just wasn't anybody else out there. So you're right, like... I think they made the best of a bad situation, and I'd certainly rather have Bogdanovich than P.J. Tucker, but all things considered, like, this could have gone a lot worse. I do want to address the Chris Paul-sized elephant in the room, though, because if you're getting Chris Paul, you're you're having to send out more matching salary, first of all, so that's not nothing. I, I'm not sure who it would have been. Maybe you would have had to send, I don't know, they send out Bledsoe and Hill in the, in the uh, Drew trade, Maybe you're sending Ilya yeah. Sova out, who you waived anyway, and I think that would get them there. But you're only sending out one first-round pick. At that point, like you're not hard-capped because you haven't used the sign-to-trade and you haven't used the mid-level yet. Maybe you scrounge together everything else you have and you say, like, what could we do if we offered DiVincenzo, Connaughton in a sign-and-trade? And, like, you know, I, you could maybe get up to, like, 13, 14 million. Like, and with those other first-round picks, like, maybe you could have done it. I think if they had Chris Paul instead of Drew Holiday this season and you kept the bulk of the roster the same beyond that, I'd probably feel better about their odds against Brooklyn. Like, I think Chris Paul would take them from, you know, the 15, 20 percent range to like the 35, 40 percent range against the Nets. Just because Drew Holiday is a fine guy to have in a closing lineup. I don't think he's the guy that you want generating your offense in those last few minutes. And they've done a good job both with Drew and with Middleton of using Giannis as a screener and finding ways to get creative about generating offense that don't necessarily, or rather don't, they, they don't have to run plays that boil down to like a Chris Paul type guy taking a mid range jumper. I think this year they've been a lot better at getting good shots late in games, but it's the regular season and the regular season is very different than the postseason. 
I just, man, Chris Paul would be so good on this team. <laughs> like, it's so hard for me to, you know, it's so hard for me to look at Chris Paul and just say, like, he's on a team right now that is very good, but probably isn't championship caliber. If you put him on this team and like, hey, maybe at that point they trade Lopez. I don't know. Like, they had other moves to make considering the picks they could have held on to. And man, like, I, I think, I, I almost wonder, they, they chose Drew and Bogdan over Chris Paul. If they had known that Bogdanovich wasn't going to be available, I wonder if they would have rethought that just a little bit. You also wouldn't have had um, the long-term extension, right? Like, you would have had Chris Paul under contract for next year. He might opt out. I doubt it. But, like, you're not committing to a four-year contract for a really injury, you know, injured guy. You're giving yourself a bit more flexibility. And this is something we haven't really gotten to yet. The Bucks' salary structure right now is you basically have to play the way that the Clippers do with just, you know, accumulating as much matching salary as possible. There is no window in here where they can generate max cap space, not to like 2025, because all five of their starters expire in different seasons. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen that. And if you want to include Tucker as like the sixth closer, he expires in a different season than all five of those guys. So every offseason, they're going to have one big guy to resign, and they're going to have a bunch of fat contracts on their books. There's no scenario where it's like, oh, we have Giannis in his prime. We want to go recruit another star in free agency. That ship has sailed. That's gone. If they had made the Chris Paul trade instead of the Drew Holiday trade, maybe they could have you know, pulled that off. Maybe. I don't know if you have to trade Middleton at that point. We'll see if there's a cap spike, too, which is the other elephant in this room. For all we know, and the cap might be smooth. The TV deal might not be as big as we expect. All the caveats in the world. There is a universe where in two or three years, the cap goes up really, really significantly, and having Giannis as a recruiter would be a very powerful tool. They have now opted out of that future, essentially. Is the TV deal coming up that soon? It's in the next couple of years. I know we've seen reports that like the NBA wants $75 billion, which is three times as much as they're getting now. I don't think they're going to get that much. And even if they do get a really huge um, bump, there's going to be smoothing. We're not going to get another 2016 scenario, but like I, I think there are versions of this where the cap like goes up steadily by like between five to ten million every year for several several years. Yeah, and the Bucks can't take advantage of that. Well, even if there's no smoothing, I think teams learn not to use it all up. I, I'm starting to wonder if there's going to be a trend of teams not using all their cap space in general. You've got the Knicks right now; they've got like 13 million cap space left over and they're going to make the playoffs most likely and i wonder if teams are going to start to look at hey like why do we need to maximize other spending not so much to save money for their owners but just you know if you don't if why spend the money if you could remain flexible and still be and still meet your goals i think that'll be an interesting trend maybe this offseason we'll see it happen something that i've always wanted to see and like this was the sam hankey special right was being under the 90 percent threshold for the minimum cap all season long. And then at the deadline acquiring one big expiring contract and then just waving him. So for those who don't know, if you don't meet the minimum cap threshold that you, the, to get up to that spot, like it's 90% of the cap. If you don't get up to 90%, the difference between where you are and that number gets paid out to the other players on your team. I would love to see a team intentionally stay under just so they could give their players the raise, just as like a goodwill, like, hey, 
we know we're tanking. We know we're not great, but you guys are trying hard for us. This is good for our culture. Like, I would love to see a team do that. I think the Knicks situation is going to be a little hard to replicate, frankly. Like, I think they're playing above their heads a bit. But I, I do think you're right. The Knicks had a lot of flexibility this at the deadline. Like, they had the chance to give Andre Drummond a multi-year deal if they wanted to. We've never seen that in season with a buyout guy. So I, I think it's something that, you know what, after what happened in 16, would you rather have cap space or Bismack Biombo? The answer is cap space. So <laughs> I think that's a good point. I, I do wonder, I, I, I would imagine there's going to be smoothing. Like I, I just, after the Durant thing, yeah. I think the NBA just never wants to deal with the Durant stuff again. So I would guess there's going to be smoothing, but that actually might help the Bucks a little bit because if they have this really stable salary structure where they have all these guys locked up, especially if they're just tradable salaries, if the cap is going up steadily every year, your tax bill is going down quite a bit, right? Like, or your the cap increases are keeping pace with the raises you've built into these contracts. So that actually might be something that the Bucks have considered. Like, maybe this is a way for them to be in the tax and to keep hoarding for future moves. But at the same time, not be like where Oklahoma City was, where they had like a what, hundred and something million dollar cap bill or tax bill. Who knows? Maybe they'll actually maybe they will. They, maybe they will have cap space. I remember. I mean, I wasn't really following the salary cap yet, but as far as I remember, it was really hard not to have cap space. I think Cleveland cap. did. I'm trying to remember who the, the Clippers. I know the Clippers didn't. Well, the Clippers had space, but it wasn't max like. Cleveland was legit over the cap. Um, the Lakers, I th- oh no, the Lakers did have space. That yeah. was the Moscow and Dang summer. Yeah. Um, I think there were like one or two other teams. I, th- I can't remember who they were, but basically, yeah, it was Cleveland coming off the championship, which makes sense. And then other than that, everybody had space. But I, I do think just that we're never going to get the everybody has space scenario again, because there's not a wider range of outcomes in basketball than when everybody has cap space because on the one hand you have Kevin Durant going to the Warriors and you have the championship decided for several years at that point but then on the other hand you have this awful outcomes of like Jan Mahinmi for 64 million, Biombo for 64 million, Luol Dang for 72 million like it's not only the rich getting richer it's the poor getting more expensive like it's essentially a tax on the poor so I would have to imagine there's not going to be any food like but Yossi, I think we've covered everything Bucks-wise that we wanted to hit on. So where can people follow, follow you? Where can people see your work? Do you have anything you want to plug? You can see me on hoopshype.com. Been putting a lot of work recently on the traded line and the buyout market. And I am on Locker Room regularly with Michael Scotto. So you could check me there on a weekly basis. And, of course, you could follow me on Twitter at Yossi Goslin. Scotto's the man, perfect partner for you. Like, I've met him at a couple of games. He's just such a nice guy. He's the best. Yep. So that'll do it for us here today. I'll be back with Colin later in the week. Like us, subscribe us, tie your friends to chairs and put us on their phones. Whatever it is that you need to do to get people to listen to this podcast. But we will be back and have a pleasant day.